This podcast contains the very strongest of the language. Be warned. I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hey, how you doing, podcats? Welcome to episode number 20 of the Adam Buxton podcast. Sorry about the gap between this podcast and the last one. Had to take a few weeks off there. And that was because I've been doing some shows, doing some gigs. I was also in Lisbon in Portugal with Richard Ayawade doing his show Travel Man. Managed to convince Richard to do a bit of podcasting while we were out there. So you'll hear the uh, fruits of those labours. At some point in the next few weeks, can't say exactly when. Uh, I've also been uh, up north in Manchester this week, in Leeds. Uh, Hebden Bridge, I was. Have you ever been to Hebden Bridge? It's beautiful. A little town in West Yorkshire. They shoot sections of a, a TV show called Happy Valley there. You've seen Happy Valley. I mean, it's the best TV show I've seen for years, I think. It's amazing. If you haven't seen Happy Valley, come on, get with the program literally. It was beautiful in Hebden Bridge, though. It was lovely and sunny when I was there. I did my tech at the venue, the Trades Club. Wonderful venue, if you ever get the chance to go and see a gig there. It's a good scene. And I took a walk down along a little path by a river at the bottom of the valley. And the sun was coming through the trees. And, oh, it was idyllic. I was expecting to bump into Frodo and Samwise Ganges. And I was looking out for Gollum, creeping around behind a rock, playing with his precious. Uh, Instead, I just passed a few arty-looking types, and we smiled and nodded, and I just thought, wow, this I think this might be the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. Certainly one of them. It was amazing. And then I met someone after the gig, and they said, yeah, it's all right when the sun's shining. Not so good for the other 10 months of the year when it's pissing with rain. But anyway, I got lucky, caught it on a good day, and it seemed to me a wonderful, wonderful place. Today on the podcast, we have a conversation with Ian Lee. He's a male British man who has been, at various points in his life, a stand-up comedian, an actor, an edgy television presenter, and he currently hosts a show every weeknight from 10pm on London's Talk Radio. I got to know Ian a little bit when we worked together on a legendary sitcom back in 2009, which we talk about towards the end of the podcast, so I won't uh, spoil the surprise by revealing all now. But I hadn't seen Ian for years, and it was really good to catch up. Uh, And he was very kind to me as well, because when I turned up at the offices of Absolute Radio, um... A few hours before he was going to do his show, I uh, I realized I'd forgotten all my mics and everything, like a kind of a moron. Or rather, I'd brought my mics, but I hadn't brought all the stuff I need to plug them into my computer. Anyway, Ian sorted me out, and he and his uh, lovely producer went and found a little studio down next to all the sports guys. And uh, by Talk Sport, I think that's right. I don't know. 
and we w- were able just to record in a little studio there. So thanks, Ian. It was very nice of you, and it was really nice to see him again. A great pleasure to catch up. He's had his ups and downs in the intervening years since we've seen each other, and we talked about some of them fairly frankly. We also reminisced about the world of British youth TV in the 90s and considered our occasionally shameful place within it. And we also touch on monkeys and beach boys. Mmm, I love to touch on monkeys and beach boys. It's a recipe for delicious waffle, so without further ado, here we go. Offices of Talk Radio, where Ian works, he's going to be doing his show later on tonight. I'm going to appear on it, I yep. think. Yes. And uh, it's near Waterloo in uh, London. I don't yeah. know if you've ever been to London. Have you come to London just for this? Yeah. Wow. Can I say, it's such an honour to be in your podcast. I mean, in your podcast. You can say that. It's not I'm, necessary. Well, I, okay, I'll, I'll retract it immediately then. <laughs> it's disgusting. No, I'm so thrilled you asked me, because I've not seen you for... How long ago did Michael Jackson die? <laughs> that's that's right. We were stood in Teddington Studios we were together when Jackson died. after the last taping of the legendary yeah. sitcom The Persuasionist. Yeah. More of that later. More of that later on. But in it's, the it's chat. nice. I've been listening to it. I've been enjoying your. Uh... Your, your your podcasts a lot. Thanks, Ben. You were asking me before when when I came in why I do them, and it's yeah. an interesting question. I don't really. Well, I do them, I suppose, because I've always liked this medium, as do you, yes. obviously. I like talking to people, and it's yeah. fun to chat with people. But I do like the the technical aspect of putting them together. You're the, quite geeky, aren't you? And I yeah. said that as in a respectful way. Sure. I really enjoy the jingles. Yeah, it's you really should fun do an album. I was thinking about it, but I don't think I can. Can you do an album of jingles? Yeah, I think you can. The Ramones songs were like ninety seconds <laughs> long, weren't they? Yeah, but they were quite good. But they never. But you're. But genuinely, you know, I, I was trying to sing one earlier and then couldn't remember any of the words. But um, Ramble yeah. Chat, Ramble is Chat, just, um, it always makes me chuckle. People like it. Uh, well, that's very flattering. Thanks You're very welcome. much. Thank you. I'm uh, quite uncomfortable about this. About being flattering? Yeah, it's not my fault. <laughs> is it not? Setting. No, about doing this. <laughs> I'm a little bit uncomfortable about Why? it. Why? What do you think is going to happen? Um, I fear that I've not, you know, I've got nothing. Well. And I'm I, in awe of you. Yeah. We can have this conversation. I'm slightly intimidated by you. What? Because I'm so mean. <laughs> Because I'm legendarily <laughs> unkind. Got coming in? Are you crazy? Haven't He's you a, heard? The guy's a loose cannon. Have you seen him recently? He hasn't been on TV for a while for a reason. He's 24 stone. His, he's got a, a short fuse on him. He's very seldom off crack. And he will fucking kill you if you look at him wrong or say anything that he yeah. doesn't like about the jingles. He's, he's very oversensitive. This is why I'm being... I'm being nice to you. Yeah. No, it's partly because you remind me a lot of one of my best friends, Simon, uh-huh. in, t- in terms of looks and uh, in terms of uh, f- the way you speak. You've got crazy. a beard now. I've got a beard now. Yeah, we're similar. Sim- um, similarly. Your beard is great, though. I've got still got little gaps here. It's nice. It suits you. Yeah. I grew it because I, um, I had a breakdown. I had a proper... 
um, breakdown last year, and I thought, I'm not going to Whoa, we're getting again. into the breakdown in the first <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> what happened to your breakdown? I'm not laughing out of disrespect no, to your breakdown. Um, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Well, what I happened? mean, I would call it that. My therapist called it that. I don't I don't really know. I, um, I've, okay, we'll have this conversation. I, I've always struggled with depression quite a bit. And I didn't know that, yeah. and I and I was going to ask you yes. in general about your temperament. Yes, because I have this. Apart from the fact that I have very fond memories of working with you on the persuasion. Oh, I had so much fun doing it. It was really a laugh, wasn't it? Yeah. But I do remember one afternoon yeah. in the pub garden, sunny yeah. afternoon. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. The box. And it was uh, suddenly. It's like, where's Ian? We, you know, Ian's off over in a corner. Yeah. Oh, he's on a. He's on the phone. Yeah. There you were in the corner of the pub garden, yeah. having a, a conversation. Which suddenly starts getting like I was like, whoa, he's really intensely in this conversation, and I was like, hang on a second, he's he's getting angry, yeah, he's losing he's losing his rag, wow. and I was like, hey, check it out, Ian's getting angry, but that was the very beginning yeah. of you getting angry. You that was around about three on the Richter scale, and you went up to about twenty five. <laughs> that guy was an arsehole. I was and dealing you started with. screaming and Did shouting. Really? You were absolutely losing it. Can you? What was it about? It was about I was getting a really big cardboard box built. <laughs> Yeah. for a show that I was going to do and I wanted someone to hide in this box for the whole show and then at the end it was going to be it was originally it was going to be Mackenzie Crick was this, going to be in the box okay a live show this is the live show right and um, I would say I've got Gareth from the office in this box if you give me a quid you can come and have a look and people it's, it's an old Andy Kaufman thing that I'd nicked in the end we didn't do that but we, I had someone hiding in the box and I had to go to a bespoke cardboard box manufacturer and I spoke to this guy and he was all very very nice yeah I can make that not a problem we'll have it done for you in a week right and I think when I I was on the phone, that was like about four or five weeks after the initial week. And he was he was a liar. He would do this thing. <laughs> I say his name was James. I don't remember what his name was. And um, I would phone up and say, and he would answer the phone. I'd say, hello, can I speak to James? Who's calling, please? It's Ian. Oh, no, James isn't in. And I go, I go but it's, <laughs> and it's, it's definitely you. him. I go, it's you. He said, no, no, my name's Dave. <laughs> And he, he would lie. And then, I don't know if it was that day, but there was another day I spoke to... The, the, sometimes a woman would answer the phone. And uh, and I said to her, Look, I'm really sorry if I've been rude to you. I'm so frustrated by this. This 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 guy, this, this box is integral. It's an integral box. Yeah. And this guy's really let me down. And she started crying. Oh, no. And she said, this it, this place is horrible to work in. Oh, my The God. guy's a real bully. And <gasps> I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I felt terrible for this woman. Yeah. I said, look, I'm sorry if I've caused you any stress. He said, no, no, it's not you. It's just he's, he's just such a bully. And I said, you know, you don't have to take that. You don't have to work in that environment. She says, but I, there's nothing else I can do. And it was a heartbreaking moment. And I think I'd had that conversation with her before I'd had the argument with him, and that's why I was... Right. But now, there may have been a little bit of theatre in it as well, knowing that you cool guys were watching. I think yeah. there was some theatre in it. <laughs> I did, that's, that's a remnant of, I did used to get, use, use my temper a lot. I did used to get very angry. Right. Bef- pr- kind of prior to that. But I, I had no um, idea that you were struggling with depression or, yeah. or that you did struggle with depression. Yeah. I'm, I wish I'd known. Well, it wouldn't have done anything. These things are always better when talked about aren't they or are they not i talk about it on the radio a bit and and it's kind of nice in that that encourages people to call in it's not a miserable show but someone might call in to talk about um last night we were talking about um medical procedures that are actually quite pleasant to have yeah and so someone might call in about something like like that and then go oh by the way i'm having a really tough time 
with getting out of bed every day and I feel a bit suicidal, you know. And it's kind of nice that that's coming out more in the open, I think, generally. Are you able to respond usefully to that kind of thing? What do you do when someone says that to you? I, I, can, I share my uh, experience with it. I, uh, that's all I can do, you know, and I kind of tell... I don't tell them what to do, because I don't know what to do, but I tell them what has helped me in the past. And, um, you know, I think identification uh, is kind of a big deal with... It. The thing is, it, it, it's weird... So I suffer from depression, okay? People suffer from depression. But they look all right. Mm-hmm. And generally, you wouldn't know. You know, generally, you wouldn't know that yesterday I, I couldn't get out of bed, you know, and that to get out of bed today at 12 o'clock was a real effort to kind of, you know, well, I've got stuff to do, I've got to get up and got to get out. Um, and we kind of pretend, we're really good at pretending everything's okay. And I'll go and do a show in a few hours and it will be, hey, guys. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and it comes and it comes and goes. But last year... I was kind of at a very low point. And then I lost a job. I got um, very fairly untreated. Um, um, very, untreated. Unfairly treated. You got very fairly. And I, th- I think you were right the first time. You were very fairly untreated. I was mistreated <laughs> by um, by the BBC. And I, got, I, got, I lost a job. That was towards the end way. of last year. Yeah, that was November the 13th. And you called out a homophobe on your radio yeah. show. Yeah. Um, and they canned you. Yeah, it was a story about this... Um, um, the Reverend Barry Trehorn was his name. He's a born again Christian. He was working as a gardener in a like a prison for sex offenders, uh-huh. and um, he would occasionally he would kind of preach to these sex offenders, and he got suspended for preaching that gays will go to hell. So we had him on the show, and we had his lawyer from um, a group called Christian Concern that are a very right wing Christian organisation, and uh, she really annoyed me this solicitor really annoyed me with her i don't hate gays ian i love them that's why i want to save them from eternal damnation and i called her out and i i, I did lose my temper with her and i called her a bigot and i called her a homophobe and i said what she was saying was disgusting and i said that um i have gay friends and that we will have people of all you know sexualities and sexual leanings listening to the show of different we, you know my thought at the time was what if we've got like a 14 year old girl or a 16 year old boy who's really confused about what they are and then they're hearing this woman say really hateful stuff and particularly if they if this young person is coming from a christian background and they're hearing this hateful stuff um but to take the bbc's side yeah for the sake of argument yes there were ways that you could have expressed yeah. or, or um, implied disapproval without calling her out so explicitly or so in such yeah. a partisan way. Yeah, I could have played it differently. We had balance. We had a, a lesbian priest. And on by the, the way, that's not to say that I don't 100% agree no, with you and totally sympathise with no. you losing your temper, as I think the BBC should have sympathised. But yeah. still, I guess that's what they would have said, is like, well, we've got... Yeah. You know, if, if all our presenters just yeah. lost their rag when they were talking to a twat, yes. then it, would no, it wouldn't be a workable the situation. Was in, was, it was lack of impartiality. Right. Um, but it broke my heart. It broke my heart, and I was devastated. Oh, and, man. I was devastated at how unjust it was about the way it was done. Because you hadn't screwed up before, had you? Or had you? No. were you on, like, three strikes or no. something? <laughs> no. I, I, there are a couple of Ofcom investigations, but... That, which the BBC then used that. Well, there, there are three Ofcom investigations, but they were never for, upheld. Had you, uh, for, for what, losing your temper no, or swearing? No. Oh, or? I don't know what they were for. Um, 
But you know an Ofcom, for those who don't know, Ofcom is the body that regulates broadcasting, and anyone can make an Ofcom complaint. You could, I could phone up now and say, well, Jeremy don't, Vine today... Don't tell was, them that. <laughs> but it doesn't mean anything yeah. unless it's upheld. And I've right. never, as far as I'm aware, I've never had an Ofcom upheld. It's just people um, don't like me, you know, and, and the what people that don't, don't like me really dislike me why what do you think it is that winds people up when people are wound up by you because i've always found you a thoroughly likable guy i mean before i got to know you i must say i had a different impression of what you were like yeah and when i when we worked together i was like oh this is i was what wrong did you about think it. i was like i thought you were 11 o'clock show guy yeah, i yeah. thought you were mr wind up mr snidey yeah Cynical, yeah. probably talking shit about me behind my back type I was guy. doing that. Yeah, of course, all the time. <laughs> me and Jared were constantly slagging you off. I knew it! But do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I guess it was all from the 11 o'clock show. Yeah, and that's been... Um, I love the 11 o'clock show. I'm so proud of it. For those people who are too young to remember it, yeah. um, when was it and, and what was it? 1999. Yeah, on Channel 4. Channel 4, a thrice weekly topical comedy show, 11 o'clock at night. It was never on 11 o'clock. It was normally 5 to or 5 past... And um, it was my first job on on telly. I went from signing on and being massively in debt to suddenly earning, you know, a lot of money hosting this show. And it was, I mean, who was on there? Daisy Donovan was on there, um, Ricky Gervais, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Mackenzie Crook, Paul Garner, Alex Lowe, Charlie Brooker wrote for it, Jimmy Carr, I think, wrote for it. He was certainly the warm-up man in the studio. So there was all these... You know, it was it was like year zero for a lot of big yeah. comedy talents, but, but it was a curiously dislikable show. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a lot of the time. And that me that was hosting it, that wasn't me. No, that was kind of, and it's a slight. I always think it's a slight cop out when comedians say, "Well, it's it was uh, it's a character when I'm on stage." When you're on stage, if you, it, but it was it was kind of. I was 25. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, and I did what I was told. And they basically wanted me to be a, a cheap. Chris Morris kind of clone, you know, with those kind of inflections and, and that kind of stuff. And this isn't me distancing or dismissing anything I did, because I, I stand by pretty much everything I did on that show. But the stuff in the studio, I, I was told what to do. I was an actor, you know, being directed in how to, to, to deliver stuff. And if there was a line, Daisy was really good at saying, I don't want to do that, That's, I don't like that. And I would get those lines, so I would quite often get the more offensive <laughs> right. stuff to do. And I was I was lapping up, I was enjoying it. But that wasn't me. The stuff on the streets was more me. When I and it was a show. I mean, it was a show that made a name for itself by being very edgy. I suppose was yeah. the word that people tossed around. And yeah, I mean, I, one thing that's one of the things that springs to mind. And I shudder when I think of it. Was we had um, a, a counter going off, um, and it was the the Harold Shipman murder count. As the show was going on, it was just kept ticking over. As you know, and, it's, it's, and there, there was a nasty tone to it that. Um, a lot of people think that that is what I am like. And also, in stuff I did after that, I then pursued that more because I kind of thought... This is my I hadn't thing. discovered my voice yet. Right. You know, the voice. We're talking about discovering our voice. Sure. Or to put more simply, I didn't know who or what I was. Right. Really. And so I had this image kind of thrust on me, which I took gladly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not like that in real life. No. And, quite... you're, and you're not like that on the radio. The thing is, on the radio... Yeah. You do a lot of stuff which is kind of terrifying for most people. You take calls live to air. Oh, yeah, that's fun. And um, so you get a lot of people who are out to wind you up. Yeah. And you have to deal with that. And then you get a lot of people who are kind of crazy or unpredictable (laughs) or maybe a bit pissed or who knows what. Yeah. 
And that would put most normal people in a state of permanent anxiety. <laughs> I used to get wound up by it when I, I was at LBC. When did I leave there? About eight years ago, eight, nine years ago. And I was taking calls straight to air then. Basically, what it means is... Uh, it, it, normally when you phone a radio station you'll speak to the producer, they'll ask you who you are what you want to talk about and then they'll call you back and I would just touch the screen and go line two you're on the air and generally not know who it was although this phone system kind of gives you a few, a few clues sometimes uh, and I did used to get wound up then and I would, would come away from the show or I would get, I, I'd, I've lost my temper on the air several times um, back then and I would carry it home with me and I would be angry and I would be upset and I would all this tension because of these fucking arseholes that are yeah, boning up. Yeah, because as soon as they get put through, a good percentage yeah. of them, they go, you fucking prick! Here, <laughs> 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 you fucking wanker! But those I find... I don't get those anymore. We've got, You know we've got a seven-second delay. Right. So that means that if someone swears, I can dump it and it oh, doesn't okay. go on the air. And okay. we, they don't have that at the BBC, but we had it there. That My favourite one was... Um, uh, yeah, we, we, was it, LB, it was at LBC, and, and um, we, we were doing a show that was just going spectacularly badly. It wasn't working, so we, we started taking some calls straight to air. And this bloke went, Ian, you are a cunt, 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 cunt. <laughs> and I dumped it, right? I'm really disappointed because I wanted this to be one of those ones where you didn't have to do a swear... I do the swear warning before all of them. Now. Okay. I think we people who don't like swearing understand that it's not okay, really the podcast for them. Sweary one. And um, I dumped it, and then a few minutes later, people started phoning. I and mean, we heard that go out, and oh, the shit. dump system hadn't worked, and right. it, it had gone out. I think on FM, but it had been dumped on digital or something. Oh. So it 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 had gone out. But the call straight to air—that's when it's fun for me. That's when it's like now. Now it's just go in. Turn the microphones on and see what happens in the first 10 minutes and see what conversation comes up between me and the team. And you get some great moments. I mean, I, uh, the classic is um, the fellow who you were talking to about getting wound up while you're driving and people oh, you... flashing their lights behind you when you're... Oh, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Do, you, do you drive, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff was great. Jeff, what, this was at the BBC and it was a local radio show. And... Um, because I couldn't get a job anywhere else, you know. I, if I'm completely honest, I, 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 I left Absolute and I couldn't get a job and, and they offered me the, the gig and I was like, yeah, sure, fine. Um, and the, the the thing I enjoyed about that show is it was like doing two shows at once. I was doing kind of a straight local breakfast show, but underneath it I was freestyling. And it meant we could have fun. And it was I don't it wasn't it wasn't malicious what we were doing with the callers, but we could have we could kind of have fun, like a little wink to the camera to say, look guys, look what's going on here. Um, but it was never nasty. But yeah, Jeff was. We were talking about people over the age of sixty-seven should have to do a driving test every two years or something. And he phoned up to say um, that he's he's only ever had one accident or something, and he's a very careful driver. And I wanted to ask him the question, Jeff: Do you drive slowly? Was the question? Do you drive slowly? <laughs> and he wouldn't let me finish the question. Jeff, Jeff, let's be honest. Do you drive? Yes, I do. No, hang on. Let me finish the sentence. Do you drive? Yes. No, let me finish. Yeah. Do you drive? Yes, and when I go through yep. the village, they push nope. you along to do do go row faster. Okay, let, let, let me finish the Jeff, do yep. you drive? Yes, I do. Hang on. D Jeff? Mm? Do you drive? Yes, I do. I know. Hang on. I'm going to get there. Yeah. Jeff? Yeah. Do you drive? Yes, only only I, certain journeys. Yeah, because I'm 80 years old. Good for you. Well done, fella. But, Jeff. Yeah? Do you drive? Yes, I do. I know. There's more coming. Yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Do you drive? Yes, I do. I know you do. Yes, and um, I've only had one accident in all my time. Well, I hope you're all right. But, Jeff. 
Yeah. Do you drive? Yeah. Re- no, hang on, hang on. Do you drive? Yes. I know you do. Yeah. There's more coming. Yeah. Do you drive? Yeah. There's one. There's one pause where it's it's too long. Every time I listen to it, I think, oh, that pause is too long. That sounds fake. <laughs> but the rest, it's Jeff. Do you drive? And and then he would come in. Yes, I drive. Yes, I do. I do drive. And um, and it's fun. And I love it. I love, I love the radio. And I've sort of given up on TV. Uh huh. How? What's your relationship with TV? Yeah, I'm in the same place. I think the problem is. I mean. We started talking about this a little bit because we were talking about depression and we were talking yeah. about anxiety and, and those kinds of things. And I would imagine that a lot of that is bound up with the way you perceive yourself, your own yeah, self-image yeah. And, and how you think of yourself and, and your impression of how other people think of you as well. And those things shouldn't matter as much as they do, but they do, you know. And being on TV has the effect of magnifying that out of all yeah. proportion. But I... I mean, I, I, I spent so long chasing TV work. Yeah. And I was so many meetings with, with, with young bucks that would say, um, I've got exactly the thing to get you back on the TV, don't you? And I, I would invest so much excitement and optimism into this. And it never came about. You know, so many times I've had that. Um, that I don't, I don't care about TV. No, I, I mean, it's, it's... But I cared about it for a long time. Yeah. But now I don't care about it. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, surely you're doing what you like doing yeah, and yeah. what you're good at, right? Yeah. And people love it. I found, go back to the song, I found my voice. My voice is doing late night radio show where it's kind of a little bit free and it's a little bit easy. And um, I'm allowed to kind of play around and stuff and, yeah. and improvise. But then are things getting better for you as far as your mental my head state? My head. Because, uh, you know, I was kind of hinting at the fact that maybe, maybe you and certainly early on in your career, maybe yes. you were doing a lot of things that weren't helpful for someone who was yes. uh, worried about those oh, yeah. kinds of things, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, uh, no. I'm ha- no, I'm having a tough time. I'm, I'm really struggling with Twitter at the moment. Mate, you should fucking get off Twitter. If Tell you, me about If it. you are getting wound up and, yeah. and you're anxious about that kind of thing, it's, I mean, I, I talk about it a lot on yeah. this podcast, but... Often on Twitter, especially, it's a totally unwinnable game. Yeah, you don't yeah. get any kind of satisfactory resolution when there's a misunderstanding or a disagreement, and you you come out of it feeling really wound up and hurt and angry and misunderstood and full of self-loathing. Yeah, um, because you feel you've been harshly judged, but you worry that maybe you've been accurately judged. Yeah, and all these all these floods of unhelpful feelings come in it is but but if i wasn't doing this career i would get rid of twitter but twitter's a really good tool for selling stuff for selling you know the show and stuff but i I don't know well it is i I think here because this is a brand new radio station yeah and that you know so you're building an audience from nothing so for me to say to forty-seven thousand people i'm on tonight at 10 o'clock and i've got adam buxton on yeah um some of those people will listen. But if you weren't on Twitter, I just don't believe that it would really materially affect the way that your show went. I'm going to bear that in mind. Thank you for that. I just don't believe it. No. I really don't. No. I mean, it's. I, I'm sure it's different if you're sort of a pop star or Still maybe if you're younger. I don't know. Well, that's rude. But I often, <laughs> I often say at gigs, raise your hand if you're here because I tweeted about this. Two, three hands go up. But, but but those three people though, what, what, I think <laughs> they're, they're loud laughers. I mean, they they are amazing. They're the best uh, chaps in the audience. 
I just think yeah. it's it's a mirage to a large degree. You know, in with the internet on a larger scale, yeah. film companies are beginning to realize this. I think there was a period where they thought buzz, online buzz about a film that was coming out yeah. was going to be indicative of how that film would then perform. And it's not the case. It does not translate into, you know, you can have a frenzy of excitement about a film and it may well just tank mm. when it comes out. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how Ghostbusters does. Yes. That, that might be different. I don't know. Well, I'm not, but I know I've, this is the all female Ghostbusters and yeah. there, there have been people of. This is Paul Feig who directed uh, Bridesmaids, which is a right. very funny film and, you know, he's a pretty funny director. But he got it in his head that it would be a good thing to uh, do a remake of Ghostbusters with an all-female cast. And it's been, it was sort of presented to the world as a slightly feminist statement. Okay. Uh, and it just wound people up. It wound all the sort of knee-jerk meninists, yep. the anti-feminists, all this, who didn't want to be told how to think about women and all. It just seemed like a wrong-headed approach to this mm. whole project. Why remake a film that was fine in the first place anyway, yeah. and even worse, use it as a vehicle for this slightly wonky feminist agenda? Yeah, uh, It seemed all a bit weird and And, and there's been wonky. a huge backlash. And there's been, like, the biggest backlash right. online ever, with people making videos, like thousands and thousands of people making reaction videos on oh, YouTube. Gosh watching the trailer and then delivering monologues for 10 minutes wow. afterwards about everything that's wrong with it and how insulting it is and how shit it is and how, you know, and feminists sort of saying this is the wrong way to approach it. We wouldn't it. be hunting ghosts. <laughs> why, would, why would we do that, yeah. guys? We are afraid of ghosts. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and then on the other side, all the twattish meninists yeah. saying, Ugh, the feminists, they're ruining everything. Yeah. And it's just non-stop negativity. I'll wait till it's on ITV. <laughs> I think, yeah. as, as I tend to do with films these days. I tend to do that. I wait till they're on the telly. I made the terrible mis mistake of going to see the Dad's Army film. Why'd you do that? Did because, you know someone in it? No, no, no. I had um, two hours to kill, and I was stood by a cinema. I thought, oh, I've got two hours. I'll Killed the song. living shit out of them. Yeah, and it was the only <laughs> thing that was it was literally starting then. And yeah. I thought, oh, I'll go. And I don't really like the TV series Dad's Army either. <laughs> so, and I went and sat, and it was just an hour and a half of, of non-stop silence. You know, there were no chuckles. It was a packed cinema, and it was silence. It's, yeah, that was a strange project, but it's got, like, the best cast It looked amazing. All time. They, they, it, I mean, it's got Bill Nye and Toby, um, uh, Toby um, Stevens Jones. Jo Toby Jones is that the guy? The guy know. that's in the the, uh, the, the um, Detectorists with Mackenzie. Oh yeah, Toby, Toby Jones. Yeah. I think it's Jones. Isn't I it? think so. Yeah. I think he's brilliant. Anyway, he's even, though I, even though I can't remember his his last name sure. correctly. Uh, Toby. He, Toby. <laughs> I just got him Toby. Tobles. Toblerones. He's. <laughs> um, he's. I, I think he's a brilliant actor. I yeah. Love him. I think he's very good. But it was just, it was a stinker of a film, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, had very positive buzz online. I, I have no idea. It's a break from the podcast. In between the next bit and the bit that was last. Every now and then you have to take a little rest. Otherwise you're going to get tired and depressed. Take a look around. Think that you exist. Think about the person you last kissed. Right, that's it up now. Think about keys. Think about sausages. Think about trees. Think of alien vehicles moving out in space. Think about the wonder on the little baby's face. And now think
is the first time I met you. Do you remember the first time I met you? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was at a Channel Four so-called. It was like a yeah. new season launch party. Yeah, thing, yeah. Right? It was like in the afternoon, and it was um, we were the hot young things. That's I think you'd already had a series. I think we had. So you're about your second series. I think. Yeah, I've got a photograph at home of me grinning away, clean shaven. Uh, I was. I remember exactly what I was wearing. Uh, wow. it, it, I was wearing this suede, uh, a very light-coloured suede jacket that I'd bought. Yeah. And I uh, forgot that I'm quite a sweaty little man. <laughs> and I immediately <laughs> created two giant, very dark sweat patches, <laughs> um, rendering this jacket unusable thereafter because it left sort of tide marks. Wow. Um, and also uh, smelled pretty badly. Yeah, yeah. So I was there, stinky little man, oh, trying to hide my sweat patches. Very smelly. And there you were towering above me. Yes. And there was Mel and Sue either side of us. They were doing Mel light and lunch. Sue was there. I think Mackenzie was there. I think Mackenzie was in the 11 o'clock show. Right. That were you there for point. the 11 o'clock show? We were there for the 11 o'clock show, yeah. Right. I remember seeing you and, and um, feeling... Um, intimidated again. Right. No, there was no sexual arousal then at all. I'm afraid that's and that's not really been yeah. a thing between us. I'm afraid it's not too late. Uh, but well, let's see what happens after this. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and I'm being thinking, wow, it's, it's, um, it's Adam and Joe. Wow, those guys are like cool. This yeah. is it, man. This is it. And I also remember, um, do you remember the Q Awards that I hosted? Oh, I mean, I remember a couple of Q Awards. I hosted the Q Awards once, and you you were there, and you came up and you presented an award. Um, I was probably drunk. Out I was. Of I my was mad. I was. With a league of gentlemen there. I don't remember. I was. I was pissed, and I was totally out of my depth. I was. It was about twelve years ago. Because those audiences ago. were very larry. They were larry, and I, again, I still didn't know what I was. This is when I was presenting Rise, the breakfast show on Channel Four that replaced the Big Breakfast, and I still didn't know what I was. And I was being paid. You pronounce it Rise. I thought it was Rise. <laughs> Of the colon. That, no, that represented a digital alarm clock. It was, oh. it was um, fun with words. Fun with word. R-I colon S-E was how the, how the show was written. Because it that's, was like a digital alarm clock. That's why it tanked. Yeah. And I got paid for that night, for hosting that, I got paid £10,000. Quite right. You should have got more. Wow. I And I bought a £250 pair of shoes to host it. I thought I'm getting paid ten grand. Yeah. And I was, I mean, I was, was, was steaming drunk, probably. and Terrifying. Uh, I don't know oh, how It was you... awful. And the thing is, as well, I wasn't confident enough. What I should have done, they sent me a script, is I should have got with some of my writing friends and said, right, let's, let's knock this into a good script. And I didn't. And I just read this hoary old script that they gave me, and it was awful. And it was one of those moments where I've, I've never felt part of... Well, I don't want to say show business because that sounds wanky. I've never felt part of. I've always felt separate from um, from my peers or from other people. Well, sweetie, this. we all feel like that. Well, do you? Do you? Of course. But because, but you, but but okay, darling. Everybody feels like that. But you're loved, though, <laughs> and all uh, the uh, the people you've had in the podcast. Most of them are your friends, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I haven't had a huge number of different people on the podcast. I've had I've had Louis on twice, and he's going to be on again. Garth on twice, and he's yeah. going to be on again. Joe on twice, um, and then other people that I've met at gigs who are nice. But I don't know anybody. Yes, you I know do. Mackenzie. Yeah, well, that's all you need, and 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 that's it. You know, I, I always felt so... I felt like a fraud yeah. throughout that whole 11 o'clock show rise kind of period. Did like you? Fraud. Yeah, 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 totally. So you don't have fond memories of that time? 
I don't really have fond memories of... I have fond memories of making the show with Joe in the 90s. Yeah. Actually doing it. The 90s. The 90s. The 90s to me in my head is still really recent. And then you go, no, there were 16, 17, It was a long ago. time ago. It was a weird, weird, different world. Yeah. Did you watch that show? There was a show, I think, on Sky all about the 90s. And it just looked such a weird place, the 90s. It was all extreme. It was all lad <laughs> culture. Yeah. People yeah. trying to, like, be... Freaky and uh, outrageous. Yeah. Ian Lee on the eleven o'clock show, oh God, what a toss doing up. Harold Shipman jokes. Yeah. Uh, people eating baked beans out of old ladies' buttocks, and yeah. I don't know what. And then the rest of it was all like football and page yeah. three birds, and it's yeah, yeah. good fun and, yes. and and cocaine and yes. Blur versus Oasis, and it's just like fuck this. But, you, but the Adam and Joe show, which was delightful, was delightful. Was like a little oasis of. Homemade. Well, it was a little blur. We thought of charm. It. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it was it was it was charming. <laughs> well, that's nice of you. I mean, we... and funny. Yeah, sometimes. Well, some of it was you know. There was... was one nasty bit I remember. Occasionally we were so. It was... The bit in the shop where you smashed everything up. Oh, that was terrible. What did you do that for? What did we do that? I tell you why we did that. It was Louis Theroux's fault. Oh, what a bastard! Louis was responsible for. One of the most popular things we did on the show, we did little stunty bits every now and again. And uh, he said, oh, you should do a thing where you go up and you take all the free bits. In, you go into the supermarket and it says 20% free. So you just take the 20% yeah. and you don't pay for it. And then when the guy comes up to you and says, what are you doing? You say, oh, but it says it's free. I'm just taking the free bit. Um, <laughs> and it was funny. I mean, you could barely see what was going on because my hand was shaking so badly. <laughs> I was filming it. Oh, I hate stunts. Oh, it's awful. Like and then um, we said, right, everyone likes this thing. We got to do more. We got to think of another thing because people like that. Uh, we rang Louis up and said, think of another thing, man. He said, okay, what about you break it? You pay for it. We were like, what's that? He said, well, you know, some shops have signs where it says you break it, you buy it, or you break it, you pay for it. Especially China shops, that kind of thing. If yeah. you knock something over by accident, you have to pay for it. So you go in and you deliberately smash stuff up and you say, it's okay, we're going to pay for it. Yeah. So we did it in this little China shop yes. in, in The Cut in South London. And we'd, in a similar way that we had with the 20% uh, free thing, we'd okayed it with the owner of the shop, right? right. So we weren't. It was okay to oh, do okay, it. Oh, okay, okay. But the shop assistant didn't know. Right, right. And in the um, supermarket in Brixton, they were all young blokes that, that were shop assistants there. And they were, you know, they just thought we were dicks. And they came and confronted us and it was all fine. But in the uh, china shop yeah. was quite an old lady. Yeah. And she, of course, got totally freaked out yeah. when, when these two fucking twats came in and yeah. started smashing stuff up with hammers. Yeah. And we, I mean, we'd been sitting in the pub beforehand trying to psych ourselves up into doing it. And I remember Joe, I've got a bit of footage still of Joe saying, why are we doing this again? This is bad. I don't like doing this. And we were like, oh, we've got to do it. We've got, we've got three and a half minutes to fill. Okay, here we go. So in we go and we start. And, and uh, she gets totally freaked out and says, please stop doing that. What are you doing? What are you doing? Please stop doing that. And she calls the cops yeah. and the cops turn up. And um, we just had to say, oh, it's okay, we've cleared it with the owner, it's fine. The cops oh. were like, oh, you fucking brat. Oh, God. And the old lady's upset, and we're like, oh, we, we, we cleared it with the owner. <laughs> and um, I think we, we wanted not to use it, 
because it was so grim. But we literally had a, a gap in yeah, the show. We, we, had, we had to use it. We ran out of time to think of wow. something else. And we convinced ourselves... Channel 4 ourselves, would have loved that as well, wouldn't Yeah, they? we convinced Cause... ourselves it was sort of edgy and... yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 we apologised profusely to the lady and did everything we could to make her happy in the end. And the owner came out and he was like, gave her a cuddle and said, "Oh, it's okay." And in the end, yeah, she got a free cuddle. She got sexually harassed <laughs> after you smashed up the shop she was working in. That's great. That's the nineties. That's the nineties. <laughs> we all had some Charlie and went to a football match, um, but it was it left such a bad taste in the mouth. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were really, we felt really bad about it. And, and I think we, we felt like we would never do that kind of thing again. Yeah. The thing I found as I've got older, in the 11 o'clock show, we, we did mean tricks. My favourite things were the, the tricks that were charming. And we did, I remember one going out on the street, there was a story about um, people would be offered health checks at work or something. I don't know what it was. And I was out being filmed, um, secretly filmed. I hated the secret film stuff, hated it. But I had a white coat and a stethoscope and I'd go up to people and... Um, offer to, to weigh them and they go yeah sure and I just go behind and lift them up <laughs> you're about 12 stones three and they go okay thanks very much and that, you know that stuff like that was charming yeah but we yes we, we there were some mean spirited I remember one where I mean this is I guess on the borderline but I didn't like it at the time there was one where Daisy I think went up to MPs on Parliament Square yeah, yeah. Um, and thrust a microphone in their face that had a dog shit on the end of it no. So she didn't actually make contact with their faces. No. But, but she put it beneath them. On the 11 them. o'clock show? Yeah. That never happened. I'm pretty sure. That never happened. I'm, I'm almost you, certain. You, you have made up an, an, a story <laughs> in your mind. I've given that means put shit on microphones. I've given the next generation face. of edgy programmers <laughs> an idea for their that first show. Never, I don't remember that ever happening. I I think it I think it did, I, and I remember thinking that is that good, <laughs> like a real shit. Yeah. No, I don't yeah. believe that. I don't. I'm gonna. Um, I'll Google it. Google. I'll it. Bing it and find out. Yeah. I don't believe that. I, well, it, that was Daisy. Terrible behaviour. But also there was, you know, there was just always a sense that it was all being done for questionable reasons. There was, I mean, all that stuff kind of sprang from the Dennis Penis. You remember the Dennis Penis was like the, the, the right. thing. And that, that kind of, of, of and I, I never found Dennis Penis particularly funny. He had his moments. Really? I never really, I mean, I, 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 it's Paul Kay, wasn't it? And I've met him since and he's a, he's a thoroughly decent chap. And, yeah, he's and, very, and, and a good, uh, he's a good actor. Things. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. But um, a lot of that, that pranking kind of came from him. I've heard him talking about those days and saying that he only got through them by taking vast amounts of speed. Right, yeah. To get himself in. Oh, it's so stressful. I used to hate doing the Vox Pops on the street and I knew that um, for two hours of intense anxiety and fear and being incredibly uncomfortable, they would get a really funny three-minute film after it. But the thought of going up to people... And misleading them and lying to them to make them look silly. Oh, I used to. It's no good, man, because it's. Obviously, the point of it is that you're screwing around with uh, societal conventions. Yeah. I remember the point I was going to make earlier. It's getting getting older. Uh, I couldn't do any of the stuff that we did on the 11 o'clock show now. I couldn't do it at all because I'm a dad. I'm married. I've got a, you know, I've got a disabled mum. I, I just, I feel more um, uh, protective, more protective, and I feel more responsible for my actions than I did when I was 25 years old. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you just want the older you get, the more you learn the value of 
uh, treating people well and and how nice it is to be treated well. Yeah. You know, when people are nice to you, yeah. it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Like when people are when strangers are randomly kind or help you out yeah. in whatever way, it's like uh, the best day ever. Right, let's go again. What don't you fucking understand? Kick your fucking ass! Let's go again! What the fuck is it with you? I want you off the fucking set, you prick! No! You're a nice guy! What the fuck are you doing? No! Don't shut me up! No! No! Ah, da-da-da-da like this! No! No! Don't shut me up! Ah, da-da-da-da like this! Fuck's sake, man, you're amateur! Seriously, man, you and me, we're fucking done professional. This is a Squarespace advert. Do you want to build a website? Yes. I will tell you how. Visit squarespace.com slash Buxton now. Start a free trial today and in minutes you will say My website dreams are finally coming true. Just tell Squarespace what you want to do. They'll suggest some templates that might be right for you. Dragon pictures and text add some videos and next thing you know your website will be done. Visit squarespace.com slash Buxton today. Start your free trial and have yourself a play. And when you have decided that you're ready to pay, type in the offer code Buxton. Why? Because you'll save 10% if it's your first purchase of a website or domain. Oh, 10%! That's my favourite percent! Thank you, Squarespace! You, I, how do you deal with um, uh, people complimenting you? Uh, uh, oh, hey, Adam, nice to see you. Is that a compliment? No, I'm getting to it. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. We're, we're, I'm workshopping we're, it. We're workshopping it. Hey, Adam. Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm a big fan. Oh, thanks. I came and saw you do your bug show last September. Ah, oh, good one. And I just say, I think you're brilliant and you're really important and you've, you've, what you do is great. And I think you're, I just think you're the best. That's, that's great. Listen, um, I've got 10 minutes uh, before I'm due at this meeting. Do you want to um, just come to this place i know why are you touching me hey adam no whoa whoa hey come on don't shout i always prefer joe anyway all right now now you've gone weird yeah see that so that's how you do that's generally old school 70s style yeah (laughs) (laughs) no um i like it i mean it doesn't it doesn't happen very often so i i like it very seldom have people been really weird with me or annoying yeah does it happen to you? No, I, I, I've just. I, the reason I ask is I'm not very good at taking compliments, and I just did a, a like my first ever live tour last year. It's a tour. It's like fifteen dates. I did a solo show, ninety minute show called Ian Lee versus Radio, and it's me talking about working in radio and why I love it. And I would, you know, punctuate it with um, clips of um, radio going wrong, like the brilliant. Have you heard um, um, Nikki Campbell talking about the North Kent hunt, talking about fox hunting? No. Oh, it's it's so funny, man. It's it's on YouTube and it's brilliant. And he he, of course, you know, he 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 gets the words wrong and he ends up on <laughs> breakfast radio saying cunt. And the guest comes on, is pissing herself, and he goes, oh, "I'm really sorry." And then it cuts to him an hour later, and he says, "I just again, I have to apologise. I I can't believe earlier on when I said cunt, I mean." And he does it again. <laughs> he does it again. And it's just a joy. And there, there are hundreds of those kind of clips of people doing that. And so I did, I did this show, this 90-minute show. I did, it, I did it for three reasons. I did it to see if I could put a show together because I've never done a solo show. Yeah. Did it to see if I'd enjoy it and I did it to see if people would come. I could put a show together. Uh, uh, people did come and I didn't enjoy doing it. I found it just really stress 
inducing. And then afterwards, I would, as I imagine you perhaps do, is I would stick around, and if people wanted to have pictures and wanted to, you know, whatever, I would stick around and answer questions and stuff like that. And um, I just found it very weird, people coming up and saying nice things. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for the... But you're an arsehole. You know, yeah, I was waiting yeah, yeah. for the kind of the, the, the sucker punch to come after Well, if it. you wait long enough, you'll get that. It will come, with it? <laughs> no, uh, I think, uh, I don't like the idea of you being unhappy and, and struggling. Are you managing it, though? Do you feel, uh, I'm talking about your uh, mental state. I, uh, I yeah, I, I'm on pills and I see a, I see a man once a week and mm-hmm. we sit and we have a little chat, chitty chat. Uh, I I don't drink or take drugs or any of that stuff anymore. That's like 12 years. You know, I've not had a drink for 12 years. And, um... I'm I'm more I mean I'm I'm functioning there you know over Christmas and, and and in the new year when I wasn't working yeah it was it was bleak man it was bleak you know I I um you know I couldn't get out of bed for days How do your family deal with all of that are they uh, it must be very difficult for them the, y- Yes it is difficult for them um uh yeah it is difficult for them but they kind of let me get on with it which is what is all you can do really I think yeah, is they yeah. let me get on with it but um you know, I phoned the Samaritans a couple of times just because I felt so fucking lonely. Um, and you, you just want to have someone independent. Just someone to... there. Just, just someone independent who I, doesn't know who I am. And, you know, and I, and I, I do, you mentioned this earlier on, I think, but I, I do hate my, you know, self-hatred and self-loathing and low self-esteem and all that stuff is mm-hmm. kind of prevalent. And so, you know, yes, I've, you know. Uh, but now I, I have an, uh, a guy that I see once a week. I have friends that I can call if I'm feeling particularly low. Um... You know, I get by, but it's it's painful. The weird thing about depression is, um, it's like it's like a physical, it's a physical thing. Absolutely. Well, Rob Delaney talks about being in agonising pain. Yeah. And um, for me, it's not so much a pain, although it does manifest itself in migraines. It's um, it's a physical, not in the stomach, and it's a weight. It's like a weight. It's like I'm carrying this really heavy, kind of blanket or something, and it's literally. I, if I'm lying down, I cannot, you know, it will take me five hours to sit up in bed, you know, sure. with the, the effort. Um, but so listen, well, listen, open man. the giggle factory. Let's find the keys to the chuckle palace again. Let's turn on the laughter machine. You, you can call me. Give me a call. But I don't know you. Yeah, but so that's better, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know you. I've often, I've sometimes thought when I feel really black about things and everyone does whether they suffer from depression or not whether they're um being treated for it or not you know there are times when the shutters come down and where you you do feel that heaviness and and i I, i've wished that there were people i could call and it wouldn't have any kind of pushback you know what i mean like it wouldn't interfere with relationships that i have or they wouldn't judge me or they wouldn't do this but imagine though right yeah so you you go home and and you go back to your life and three weeks later i phone you up i'm in tears and i'm going adam i I, seriously i'm you know i can't i just don't see the point and you you you, you know we'd have a chat and i'm sure you'd be delightful and then you put (laughs) the phone down and you go that was the weirdest that was Ian Lee. Remember, I, I was talking, and he was feeling a bit down. And I said, you know, kind of jokingly, you can call me anytime you want. He fucking called me. But I wouldn't say that. I would say, and it's happened to me before, people uh, have called me in, in a sad state once or twice. And you feel bad. You feel bad for them. But then that's the other thing. When you're depressed is then you don't want, you're, you're worried that you're, you're worried about everyone else. You, the fear is, God, everyone is going to hate me. No, and I'm no. going to make people. But, but logically, that's not the case. Of course, you know, intelligently, listen. You know, the, that's the, not the, the case. But what you don't want, yeah. is 
to suddenly find yourself as the primary carer, yeah. uh, someone with a full-time job of care for someone that you don't know yeah, very yeah. well and you, you didn't sign on for it, yeah. and you're trying to deal with your own shit, that's a different thing. Yeah. And then you're, you've, you've, got, you've got to say, well, mate, I'm so sorry, but you've got to find help. You've got to find professional yeah. help, and that's what you would say. But if you're like in, in a hole... Yeah, and every few months the shutters come down, and you're like, I fucking feel terrible, and I just feel like I'm going mad, mm. and I want to say hi and speak to someone who's, you know, that's okay. Thank you. I won't. You can though. But thank you. Well, listen. Here's some practical advice for you, right? Yes. Before we move on to other things. Okay. Yes. Step one. Don't fucking reply to people on Twitter who think you're a twat or disagree angrily with something you've said. What's best, ignoring, blocking, or muting? Well, I don't know. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm wishy and washy, so I would go for muting. Okay, mute. But I, well, I often think the blocking that then they go, aha, see, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't. Ha- I, I must be right. He's blocked me. Yeah, I don't. I just don't. You don't want, care about these fuckers. I do. I, the problem is, I do care about them. Yeah. I think. Human beings are human beings, and I want us to get on. I, I want, want to be liked. I want to be liked. I want to be understood. Yeah. I want to like other people. I don't like the idea of living in a world with twats in it. I don't believe. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that most people are twats. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. I think most people are, are, are decent people. And I don't like it when I start to think they are. Yeah. I don't like it when I just think, oh, this guy's a jerk. I find it so hard not to engage with those people, but I'm not going to engage. Thank you, Adam. Just, Thank you. Just. I mean, it is. It's very hard. Yes. But don't. I'm not going to. Stopped. You know? It's finished. And if you do, just scrupulously polite if you okay. can. I'm not going to engage with them. All right. Thank you. Next bit of advice. Have you got a list? Uh, yeah. Wow. Next bit of advice. It's very important to dry thoroughly between your toes. Otherwise, you can get what seems like a little nick, a little cut, and it's agonizingly is that what painful. That is? Yes. I miss talcum powder. Yeah. Ta- when, 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 when my mum used to give us a bath, she'd dry us off and then she'd cover us in talcum powder. So that would, would absorb any moisture you left. You can and still leave. get talcum powder. I'm going to buy myself some talcum powder. My dad was a big fan in his last months. Really? Was he yeah, really? the medicated talcum powder. Medicated? Sure. What, 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 uh, do you mind me asking what medication it was in the talcum powder? Uh, you don't mean cocaine, do you? It was, it was mild heroin. Wow. It's brilliant stuff. Where, and you can get that in boots? Uh, yes, you can. It's not mild heroin. I don't know exactly what the medication aspect of it is, Gosh. but I guess it's quite good if you've got skin that is sensitive yeah, or okay. I see what you prone mean. Yeah, to yeah. soreness or that kind I of see. thing. So, so for, yes, okay. It's, Continue. It's great stuff. That's the end of my advice. Thank you. Let's talk monkeys. 
You love the monkeys, right? Yes, I do. I love. I'm obsessed with the monkeys. When did you get into the monkeys? When I was a kid, when they used to show it at, um, uh, at the summer holidays. You know, they show it at, uh, half term and stuff on yeah. 9.25 in the morning. Um, but yeah, so I would, would watch it in the school holidays. Yeah. And I became obsessed with them. And um, it's kind of an arrested development thing, I guess. I am. I've got hundreds of, of of records that are all the same, but ever so slightly different. Um, I've been over to the states to see them. I've started a record label. I've got a record label, Seven A Records. Me and my friend Glenn, and we release kind of monkeys related um, albums and CDs and things and, and vinyl records and things like that. I should have I should have brought you one as a gift. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's good. I've just emailed Mickey Dolenz tonight. Right, so you must be pals with them if you're putting out some of their releases. I'm pals with Mickey. Yeah. Mickey and I get on very well. Um, uh, I don't think Peter likes me, Peter Talk. Why, because you're too keen? May- possibly, possibly. I don't know why. I, he, um, I interviewed him, right, recently. Yeah. So he came over here last year and I interviewed him on the phone. He was, good, he was in America. And the interview was going well. And then I said, Peter, listen, before we go, just to let you know, and, and I knew that he'd been aware of this stuff already because I'd emailed people. And it, I said, Peter, I've, been, I've just released a record with Mickey. Um, I'd love to send you a copy, and I'd love to talk about the, ch- the possibility of releasing a, a, a record of your solo stuff. And he went, hello? Hello? Ian? <laughs> I think the line's... Hello? He made that noise. No, <laughs> <laughs> It, the uh, the line went dead. He he put the phone down. Now come on, man. The, the interview was the fifteen minutes. It was fine. The last two minutes, suddenly you can't hear me. Come, come on, that's paranoid. No, it's not. Honestly, I I I don't think he likes me. No. Nesmith, Nesmith, and I. Nesmith likes me. Well, he's um he's the one to be liked by. He's the one to be liked by. I um I'm also love the Beach Boys. Beach Boys are my second favorite band. Oh, and I yeah. saw one of the Beach Boys at um LAX, one of the worst airports in the world. Mm. And I saw Al Jardine from the Beach Boys. So not like a main Beach Boy, but a Beach Boy. And I was I He's a good got, Beach Boy. He's a good Beach Boy. But I got all and I had to go and I've got to go and speak to him. And I was trying to think of a really obscure song that he'd written on their 1972 album, Surf's Up. I was thinking, what's this song called? What's this song called? And I went into the toilet and I washed my hands and I thought, and I came out and he'd gone and I saw him and I, I followed him down the escalator. And I, I went, I was so nervous. I went, Mr. Jardine? And he had his back to me, right? And he didn't think I could see him, but I saw him and he went, oh. <laughs> Ian is hanging his head <sighs> yeah, with, what do you with want? weary resignation. And he turned around, yeah, what do you want? And I was absolutely crushed. Oh. And what I wanted was, I wanted an autograph and I wanted a picture. Yeah. Uh, and inst- and I know that you, you kind of have to judge those things. It's not always appropriate to ask. So in the end... All so I- were you in the toilets? No, this was... this was I'd come out of the toilets. Okay. And I know it's not always appropriate to ask for... Uh, very rarely would I ask for a pic, but it was a beach boy. And all I said was, I, I just wanted to... Thank you, Mr. Jardine, for all the music. Thanks very much. Bye. And I turned and I walked away. I was absolutely crushed. Oh, absolutely crushed. Oh, Jardine. Yeah. But, you know, maybe that had happened to him nine times that day. And, yeah. And maybe someone, the last time it had happened was he was having a tense moment with his partner or something. Yes, and someone exactly. Had come exactly. And, exactly. Know. But, um, yeah, but I was, I was... That's a shame, though. One of the because you boys. carry that with you forever after that. The coolest thing... Was you remember Hurricane Katrina? I do. Um, and uh, uh, you know, how long ago? That was years ago. I was going out with Tess, so that was like maybe ten, eleven, twelve or thirteen years ago. And Brian Wilson, yeah, um, put a thing online saying, "If you donate a hundred dollars to Hurricane Katrina, I will phone you up." What? And I was like, "That's like sixty-seven quid, and it's a brilliant cause." 
even if he doesn't phone me up, I'm in for a hundred bucks. Yeah. So I sent a hundred bucks and <laughs> I wrote really specific instructions of what number I would be on at what time and what day. Yeah. Right? I think I thought I'm never going to hear anything. And then one night, about nine o'clock at night, my girlfriend at the time, Tess, came in going, there's a guy on the phone who says he's Brian Wilson. <sighs> and it was, it was Brian Wilson f- had phoned me up. Live? Yeah, live. Uh, it wasn't a recorded no, message. He phoned me up. And, um, I mean, <laughs> I, I've met him since, but he phoned me up. And he went, hey, it's Brian Wilson here. And, and um, I was like, oh, Brian, oh, Man, and he he chatted, and he said, "What do you do for a living?" And I said, oh, "I'm a comedian." Are you lying? I swear to God, this happened. And in fact, no one's ever spoken about this. I've never seen anyone in any forums discussing this. And he said, "Oh, you're a comedian. That must be fun making people laugh." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And the the the, the, the premise was you're allowed to ask him one question. And do you think it really was him? Though? Yeah, I'm convinced it was him. Oh my! I'm convinced goodness. it was him. And I had all these questions about Dennis Wilson and about all, the, all these lost tracks, and I and I I froze. And he went, Ian. You can ask me one question. What would you like to ask me? And I went, what's your favourite Beach Boys record? Oh, no, what a terrible question to ask. That's OK. What did he say? He said Pet Sounds. Yeah. And um, and he's, and then, then you could hear someone who I suspect was his wife saying, it's time to finish this call. Now. Or Bye. Eugene Landy. <laughs> no, I think Landy was out of the picture at that he, point. Right? Um, there's an interview I wish I'd, I'd done. Um, and, and, and he went, OK, I've got to go now. Thanks so much for talking to me. It's been really nice. Take care. Bye. Boy, and I put the phone down. I burst into tears. I burst into tears. Quite right. My, I had to go. My girlfriend took me for a walk around the block to calm down. I, I, I kept going. Brian Wilson just called me. It was Brian Wilson. Sixty-seven quid for a call from Brian it Wilson. Was incredible. That's the best money ever ever spent. What a bargain! What an absolute bargain! Yeah, Whoa. wonderful. So that was cool. That is amazing. Yeah, I can't believe that. I just, that, that I'm going to start asking some questions online to see if anyone else had that phone call. They must have done. Yeah. Loads of people must have done that. That is amazing. I love it. Let us travel back into the mists of time. Long ago when you were a different person. Do you remember when you did that thing? Let's discuss it in excruciating detail. So, Ian. Yes. You and I... Uh-oh. We alluded to earlier on in our conversation. Yes. We're involved with uh, one of the most important comedy programs in the annals of comedy history. You said annals. Yeah. I think that's the correct pronunciation. Why not? In this context. And um, it was called The Persuasionists. Yes, sir. It was originally called The Scum Also Rises. Harry Enfield was originally in it as well, wasn't he? I remember doing a read-through with Harry Enfield in, yeah. It was put together, for those who don't know, by um, um, Ian Morris and Damon Beasley. They didn't write it, but they were producers, and it was Boark, their company, who, of course, were behind The Inbetweeners. And I worked with them on The 11 O'Clock Show. And this is one of the first projects they did on the back of The Inbetweeners, on the huge success of that show. So it was quite exciting to be involved with it. Oh, and I was thrilled that they'd asked me. And I kept thinking at some point they're going to say, well, you can't act, so we're going to get someone. But they, they, uh, sadly, they didn't. <laughs> sadly, they let me stay. Uh, what did you think of it? Completely honest. Let's, let's mano a mano now. Don't listen, Ian, because you might be upset by what we're about to say. Completely what? honest? Yeah. No, I can't do that because I've I've had a policy about the persuasionists wow. only ever to talk about it in terms of it being one of the most wow. successful and legendary okay. comedy shows ever made. That. I appreciate that. So in that case, you've, you've told me what you think. And That's great. Um, if for some reason you live under a rock, you didn't see it. Yeah. If you don't like comedy or, or classic shows, yes. it was a show set in an advertising agency. Yes. And so it was. It was kind of a wacky. 
Crazy. Um, crazy, zany? nutty, zany? zany, zany, definitely nutty. goofy. I don't know about goofy. There wasn't much goofiness in it. <laughs> it was bucking a trend for pretty dark, realistic stuff. Yeah. And it was trying to get somewhere towards um, the kind of show that Graham Linehan might make or yeah. something like that, you know. The thing I struggled with was the first, the, the episode one, um, we had rehearsed it and rehearsed it and filmed a couple of pilots around that script, so I knew it backwards and inside <laughs> out. And then we, we filmed it on a Thursday, I think, didn't we? Yes, that's right, the live And um, then we record. get the script. We do it in front of an audience. in front of an audience. Yeah. And then we get the script for the next Thursday, on the Friday, possibly the Monday, and then it'd be... Re- and I had never had that... Di- I hadn't had that discipline for a long, long time. I'd never had the discipline of having to learn a whole show script in basically three or four days. So I couldn't relax when I was doing it because I was constantly just holding on to the words in my head. What are the next words? You so had I, a lot of light. You were like the main part. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and I just thought after that, and I was offered a lot of movies and things like that. Sure. And after that, I just thought, I'm going to I'm gonna stop now. This yeah. is... this is. It's um, not going to get any better. It isn't going to get any What's better. What's the point? This. Yeah, you can't... It's, just, it's um, silly. I'm still waiting for series two. I don't know if Ian... I'm waiting for the DVD release. I think it's been held up with complicated legal wrangles. We're negotiating how many points I get. When a show is that big, you know, everybody wants a a slice. Yeah. And sometimes um, things can get held up. That's why it's not repeated either. With legal wrangles, exactly. Yeah. I guess the thing now is to do a movie, isn't it? So we'll probably reconvene for the movie. A bit like the Entourage movie. I don't want to... If, imagine if it was as good or better than the Entourage. I've never seen Entourage. Have you not? Is the Entourage movie um, okay? It's amazing. Is it really? For the for, I'm going to check that out. <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch that on your recommendation. Entourage is a good show. Um, I but- don't watch TV shows. I don't watch American TV shows anymore after being betrayed by Lost. Um, and, the, and Lost and Fringe really broke my heart, and I just thought. Ah, can all get stuffed you american tv shows <laughs> where you run out of ideas at the end and think we won't know fringe i never even tried with oh, fringe. fringe was great until the last 20 minutes of the end of the penultimate season and then they made another season that was like a different story it's like fuck off to return to the persuasionists Sorry. the legend of the persuasionists yeah. after we'd had this terrific summer working in teddington yeah hanging out and listening to you shouting at Wee, box manufacturers come on, guys Hey, guys, guys. guys. Um, then we didn't see each other for a while. We didn't hear from... Uh, it was for the BBC, this show. Was it BBC Two, wasn't it? BBC Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, 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 yeah. BBC Two. And, proper, um, proper BBC. And then we heard that it was going to go out early the next year, maybe 2010, January 2010 or something sure, like that. Sure, why not? I'm not sure. And... Um, and I hadn't, I, I'd made a decision that I wasn't going to read any reviews because I didn't know what it was going to be like, how yeah. it was going to turn out. Um, and I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to court mental disaster by yeah. seeking out reviews, as we've alluded to earlier on in this conversation. It's sometimes not the best thing to do. Anyway, so I thought, uh, I'll just let it go out. And if people like it, great. And uh, if it doesn't do well, and if it sinks without a trace, never mind. Yeah, Yeah. it was fun to do. But then the morning it was going to go out, I get a text Uh from, I think it was Damon. Um, Ian uh, Ian Morris and Damon Beasley had produced the show for Bark. And Damon sends this text. Uh Was it it Damon? Because you must have got one as well. I can't remember if it was Ian or Damon. Yeah. 
uh, one of them sent this text and it said, first of all, group hug. Oh. And then it said, um, guys, I just want you all to know, because he'd sent it out to all the main cast members. I just want you all to know that me and Ian stand by this show. Oh, I do remember. Yes, I do remember this. Yes. <laughs> and we're really proud of it and the work you did on it. And so I was like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, well, I always say it was, it was, I think it went out on Tuesday nights. The first two episodes went out on Tuesday nights and it was so good. They put it to the um, the one twenty a.m. on a Sunday morning slot to try and draw an audience there because they knew it would. Um, they did. They moved the last three or four episodes. That's a killer slot. To, yeah. to, to the to the slot where they obviously thought it would have its biggest impact. The money slot, they call it. <laughs> I was genu- I was so heartbroken because I, I, again, I, I, it's something I invested so much time and and um, I don't know myself in thinking this is it. This is going to be. Yeah. This is going to be a, the turning point in the career, and it, it was, but. Well, the the vehemence of the reaction was, yeah. uh, I think, maybe because it was January, there wasn't too much else going on. I've seen worse programs, um, of course, and um, I mean, almost every program <laughs> exactly. is worse. But um, it got much more attention than I think anyone expected yeah. it to. Yeah, um, and it it was pretty extreme, and I guess because people were so overwhelmed with how brilliant i was in it yes they didn't quite know they were too uh, nervous to phone me up with offers for work yeah. for about a year <laughs> <laughs> and you know people You'll only say no exactly our scripts no, nothing i like don't want to get laughed out of the office thinking that he can maybe i can attach him to my <laughs> next big project spielberg's too nervous to call um and, you know, I'd heard people use the phrase, oh, the phone didn't ring for six months yeah. or whatever. And I always thought that was a bit of kind of bullshitty yeah. industry jargon. Literally, the only time the phone rang was for people I, who'd got a wrong number. I was still doing, I was still at Absolute, I was still doing the radio show. I, I, the, year after, the, the year after Rise, the phone didn't ring for a year, you know, I, I had that. But yes, I was still doing the radio show, so I was kind of able to go back and throw myself into that. And, um, um... Then it, when it was mentioned at work, it was always a little bit awkward. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, we sh- here's what we do. Yeah, we get all of us get together. <laughs> we watch it. We do the DVD commentary and we put it out as a podcast. Boom. Come on, I'm up for that. I'm well up for that. I am up for that. It's got to be everyone though. It's Everyone's got to be, be happy because I don't like the idea that anyone would feel we're trashing the hard work no. that was put into it. You know, let's let's record even if just even if it's just one episode. Yeah, I don't think I could do the whole series. My sides <laughs> my sides would be splitting. Uh, we should record a DVD commentary and put it out as a podcast. All right, that's Press a good play idea. On your DVD players now, guys. Guys, if you're listening, Get persuasionist writers, cast members, directors, producers. Come on, let's get back together again and relive those great, great times. <laughs> Ian Lee. Thanks so much, Ian, for coming on the podcast. It was really good to see him again. And I'll keep you posted, listeners, about the Persuasionists reunion. But I imagine if it happens, it'll be in all the uh, papers. So you'll probably find out there anyway. I wonder if you can see the Persuasionists online. I don't know if you can. I've never actually searched for it myself. Uh, I wonder if it's still as classic today 
as it was when we filmed it in 2009. I don't know. And don't feel you have to tell me. Please. Thank you. Um, back next time with Rosie, I hope, out in the countryside. Right now I'm in London. Uh, I'm going to see Radiohead at the Roundhouse this evening with my son, no less. I'm going to meet him. And it's pretty exciting. He's going to be probably dressed like a grown-up and I'll be dressed like a 13-year-old with a beard. That's the way it goes these days. Uh, and hey, before you message me and uh, ask, yes, I am going to try and get one or two of Radiohead on the podcast at some point if I can. They're not the easiest to pin down, as you may have guessed. For some reason, they're not desperate to do publicity. I don't know why that might be. But this isn't publicity. This is ramblicity. Ram, ram, rambolos, rambolosity. Rambolosity. Uh, see, this is why they're not going to come on the podcast. But, you know, maybe they'll show a bit of old guy solidarity. Come on, us old guys, we've got to stick together. Be nice to each other. Hey, thanks so much to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for production support and Matt Lamont for crucial edit help. Thank you very much indeed for downloading this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. Till next time, please take care. I love you. Bye!